Good morning. All right, we're starting off a new series. I have been so excited about this series. Um, we're going to be good if I don't give all four messages today. That's my goal for today is not give all the whole series away all today. Uh, so excited about it. Been doing so much uh, study on, on transplants and what that looks like and what that means for us. Um, it's just been really, really fun. I called my sister-in-law uh, this week. This is what she does is she uh, oversees blood, uh, no, bone marrow transplants and different case studies all over the country. She actually gave a paper this week in San Diego. We're real proud of her. Uh, so uh, she, our little, our little, my sister, this is the only one I can claim, is, is all grown up now. <laughs> so uh, we're real excited about that. But anyway, she just was mind dumping all these different things about transplants into me uh, this week. And um, I just, uh, that really was for the final one. And so I'm like so excited about the fourth week that I'm like, slow it down, Jared, uh, slow it down. But uh, I think this, this series is really, really exciting um, about giving new life. How does this work for us? And uh, are we in need of transplants? Are, are certain areas of our lives in need of transplants? So uh, turn uh, in your Bibles to Colossians. You want to put your finger at Colossians 3. I would recommend, Colossians is a, a really small book of the Bible. Uh, you can read it in about oh, 15 minutes if you're going slow, okay? It's, it's a really small book of the Bible, but it is packed with wonderful things. If you need a Bible, there's Bibles underneath your seats. Feel free to take those with you if you uh, don't own one. Um, if you own five at home, there's nothing more special about this Bible because it came from the church. Uh, you can leave it here. But uh, if you need one, uh, you, can, uh, you can take one with you. Uh, that's... Uh, our gift to you today. Colossians, so if you want to be reading along this week and studying and kind of preparing your heart for these messages, we're going to spend a lot of time in Colossians, kind of like last series we spent in 1 Samuel. This one will be spent in Colossians. Today's main thought, and what we're kind of centering in on is this idea, it's very simple, all of our choices lead us to either health or to illness. All of our choices lead us to either health or illness. If you think about it, whatever you choose to associate yourself with, you surround yourself with, these are choices that either get you sick or maintain your health. If you go to the the gym and you eat right, you're going to be healthier. If you, you know, pick up M&Ms off the ground and eat them, you're going to be sicker. It's a price you're willing to pay, though. If it's an Oreo, eh. <laughs> if you have a child, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, please make, don't make that choice. Oh, that went in your mouth. We're going to be sick tomorrow. You know, you, you have a timer, a running timer. Like, oh, I, this is going to be the nose stuff. This is going to be this. this is going to be, okay, well, we do that. The choices have consequences. They either lead to healthier lifestyle or a sick lifestyle. All of our choices lead us to either health or illness. This is the same way physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our choices lead to either health or illness. Who we associate ourselves with. If they are coughing and sneezing on us, guess what? We're going to get sick. If they're spewing gossip and venom out of their mouth, guess what? We will be emotionally sick. If we are spewing gossip and slander out of our mouths, we will get other people sick. See how this works. All of our choices lead us to either health or illness. We have three different kinds of things that happen when we are sick. 
when we find ourselves ill. First thing is we probably spread it. Sharing is caring, right? Everybody came to the church with the flu on Christmas Eve last year. And then we, we just, we just, that love was shared and spread, right? We spread it. And then like Christmas Eve is a great example. We did not know we were sick yet because Christmas hadn't happened. But we all came to Christmas Eve service just happy as clams. And oh, I got a little tickle in the back of my throat. I feel a little lightheaded, but it's okay. I ate too many, sh- you know, I ate too many uh, snickerdoodles. Whatever, it's okay. Just need a cup of coffee. We woke up the next morning dying. And I don't know if you had the thought that I did, other than, oh, Lord, give me a gun. Um, Was everyone is going to be infected. We spread it everywhere. And usually when we ignore our symptoms, when we ignore what's going on is when we spread it the most. So when we are getting sick, when we are sick and we're just ignoring the issue, we're spreading that all over the place. Can you make the leap for me on that emotionally and spiritually as well? When we don't, when we just ignore our issues, when we ignore the problems, we just spread it all over the place. Second thing you do, I think there's two types of people in the world. There's a person who, when they're sick, they want to be babied. They are couch dwellers, right? They're on the couch so they can see what's going on. Can you give me a cup of tea? Right? You got those people. Can you give me a frosty? (laughs) I'd like you to introduce you to my wife, Kelly, right here. And then you have those who are like, shut the door, lock it, slide food under the table, maybe, or under the door, maybe I'm going to sit in, my, in, in the bed and sleep until this passes. Hello. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. Don't, don't even email me. That's too close of contact, right? I just want to get over this. There's two different kinds of people in the world, but we, uh, I want to talk about the people who isolate themselves. We think that if we totally remove ourselves from the situation, everything will get better. That works to a certain point. At least we're not infecting the people around us. But when we isolate ourselves away from the people who can actually help us, this makes no sense. Why do we hate dentists so much? I do not understand this. I've had really bad experiences with dentists. They have hurt me really, really bad. But guess what, folks? When I break a tooth or I have a cavity and that pain's happening, guess where I'm going? I'm not going to the car dealership, right? I'm not, I'm not doing that. I might go to the hardware store for a hammer. I don't know. But I'm going to the dentist. You know, we look so, oh, my dad would never go to the doctor. Never. He could be like dying and he's not going to go to the doctor. I, I do not understand this. One little pill, one little antibiotic, every life will get better, right? The sinus pressure will start to recede. It just takes, you know, 24 hours on these things. And you're like, oh, I'm alive again. But we remove ourselves, we isolate ourselves in such a fashion that we even cut ourselves away from the people who can help us. Maybe we do that physically. Maybe we do it emotionally. Maybe we do it spiritually as well. Can you make that leap with me? Third thing we do is we medicate it. Now, I, I am classic at this. I will just, Kelly will not, I know Kelly's in trouble if she takes one ibuprofen. Like we're talking the 200, the little bitty ones. I grew up in a house where 800 milligrams were your starting point. 
all right? From the age of like seven, mom's putting these horse pills down my throat. There you go. That's the lowest dosage I can take, so why it should be for you too. <laughs> so when Kelly comes around, she's like, I'm like, how many do you want? Six, seven? She's like, half of one, please. Huh. All right, we, we, we medicate these things. I, I will medicate uh, the, the, those things. Um, Jimmy, uh, our worship leader, introduced me to something called a neti pot. Jimmy's one of those, he doesn't like to take actual pills, but he will try everything else around the sun. I, I don't really understand that. I'll do the pills. I'll double dip. Okay, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity medicator. All right? This is what's going on. Neti pots are kind of disgusting, weird things. Basically what happens is, I should have brought it with me, is you take it, you pour, I'm not going to do it in front of you. You take it and you pour it up your nose and it comes out the other end. It's really, really weird. And you go, how does that work? I have no idea. I, I don't know. Jimmy calls it his voodoo doctor. And we don't understand how this stuff works, but it works. And uh, especially if you suffer from allergies, I would uh, urge you to invest the $7 in a neti pot. However, it's just a weird thing, is it not? That's just a weird way to medicate an issue. Instead of taking care of the problems, instead of, of, of you know, removing the cat from your house, I will sit here and medicate it. Uh, we, we medicate it. One of the things around my house that's famous, it's called a wuffy puffy. All right, if you, you probably don't know what a Wuffy Puffy is, and I totally understand that, you will know now. Uh, back in the day, there was this thing called neosinephrine, I believe, those little, little things. My grandfather would never be caught out of arm's reach of this thing. If you did, he would see a slight panic attack. He must have had like burlap sinuses, because every five minutes, he's spraying this basically acid up his nose to clean himself out, because he was medicating the issue. Finally, you know, he's medicating the ramifications of what the neosinephrine was doing to his sinuses, not actually any sinus problem. Sometimes we, we're medicating the extras, the medicating the medication, right? Can you make the leap for me on that spiritually and emotionally as well? We, we medicate things. It doesn't necessarily have to be like our traditional, oh, they're self-medicating with alcohol and drugs, Right? We medicate ourselves with TV and the shows that we watch. We medicate ourselves in the way we isolate ourselves and the way we we, uh, put ourselves in different circumstances. Instead of dealing with the spiritual and the emotional issues, we just medicate it with these pseudo things. Which what they really do, just like the afrin or the neosinephrine, the wuffy puffy, is they just inflame the situation. Temporary relief for an ongoing problem. Are you following me? Tracking me? Okay. All of our choices lead us to either health or illness. Being sick is a part of life. When we are spiritually and emotionally sick, it takes a different kind of healing and sometimes drastic measures. Spiritual illness is not fixed with an aspirin. It's not fixed with, you know, your baby aspirin regimen, if somebody in here is on that for their heart. That's not actually fixing your whole heart issue. If you need a, you know, the Roto-Rooter job in your heart, your little aspirin aren't going to fix the issues. If you need a stent put in, one pill's not going to fix that issue. If you have heart failure, 
medicating and just doing around the edges and maybe eating a salad every once in a while is not going to fix these issues. What is really needed is a transplant, is a heart transplant. This is a huge, invasive, one of the most dangerous things you can do to your body. But if it means life, then it means life, right? What it is, what a heart transplant is, is they cut you open, they take out the diseased, broken heart and replace it with a newer, healthier model. The success rates of these are vary in all kinds of different things, but it's, in, it's just crazy mind-blowing that they can actually do this. They can cut you open and put a different heart in your body. And it works. Now, this is, I'm boiling down a very complicated procedure for, for something, uh, but the essence of it is removing the old and putting in the new. This requires a couple things. It requires someone with a disease that knows they have a disease and knows they need help. And it requires a second thing. It requires a donor. It requires a donor, someone who is willing to check on their license, someone who's willing to say, yeah, 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 yeah. When I pass, I'm willing to give up my heart. I'm willing to give up myself so that they may have life. Sometimes we spiritually are in need of transplants. When we invite Jesus into our lives, Jesus to take control of our hearts, to forgive us of our sins, we are not just asking Jesus for aspirin. And so many of us, some of you in this room right now have been Christians for 30, 40 years, and what we've been taking is Jesus' baby aspirins and not having a heart transplant. But what it truly is, what asking Jesus to take control of our lives is to God, remove my heart, my sinful nature, and put your heart in. What he paid for on the cross, what he bought on the cross was that he said, I will be the donor and I will pay the price and I will be your heart. Do I need a heart transplant? Questions to ask yourself. Do I need a heart transplant? Am I in the, the running for this invasive surgery? Jared, this seems pretty intense for, you know, I don't do too much stuff bad. I'm, I'm an okay person. I, I don't know if I really need to go all, all in like this. Because once you're having a, you know, a heart transplant, you're, you're pretty much saying life's going to be different from now on. You've got to be on a certain medication for the rest of your life. You've got to make some choices that are really, 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 really difficult. But do I need a heart transplant? Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So if we have a hint of illness, if we have a, a place where we are Hurting, if there's a place in which we are not living up to know what we know we can be. Do we need a heart transplant? I think the answer is yes, according to Proverbs. Because everything that you are, everything that you do flows from the condition of your heart. 
I'm going to be honest with you, the condition of Jared's heart is not where I want to be relying on for the effectiveness of my life. I want to be relying on the condition of God's heart. It seems like a lot safer prospect for me. Above all else, guard your heart from everything you do flows on. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. What does our heart get us? It's death. What does Christ's heart give us? Eternal life. You know you need a heart transplant when your heart's not working right. If you've ever had a heart issue, you know that you need something to be fixed. My father uh, fell 11 years ago into an orchestra pit headfirst. And when you're 6'6", that's a a farther fall than most people have, right? Um, That was a a big life-changing event in our family. Fell headfirst into the the orchestra pit, and it kind of messed with the wiring of his brain, which then messed with the wiring of his heart. So he developed an arrhythmia. If you've ever known somebody with an arrhythmia, it kind of feels like you're just you're off. Instead of boom, 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 it's boom, 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 boom. It's own little jazz band going on in there, right? Well, that sounds cool, but it's not great when you're trying to live a life because the, every, all the different aortic and all that stuff's going, it's not good. Quality of life decreases quickly. You can't be the person that you're wanting to be. You can't be involved in the activities that you want to be. Not because you're, it makes you, dad got crankier, he, he, he couldn't do things. Crankier. I don't know I was playing. He's not here. That's unfair. That's unfair. <laughs> I'll apologize to him later. Maybe. Uh, so, uh, he, uh, he got crankier. He got out of breath all the time. Like he, could, he couldn't play with the grandkids at all. Like it was just a, a, a 15 minute thing. And I got to go take a nap. I was just, I'm out of breath. I'm, I'm, this isn't working. And it took this really invasive procedure where they actually went in there and they burned. It's called a, I think a, an ablation. Um, this is nuts. This is kind of sci-fi freaky stuff. But they go in there and they burned off a nerve that was telling him his heart to, to go off. And so they, they said, hey, don't do that anymore. And then it went back into rhythm. When that happened, life changed. Life could be lived better. Life uh, according to my mother and I, life was drastically different before, than before the, the, uh, the, the surgery and then after the surgery. When your heart is not functioning properly, you know it. Life cannot be lived to its fullest without it. How does a heart transplant work? When you undergo a heart transplant... Of any kind, your life changes. <laughs> everything, from, uh, everything is different from that day on. You have to take immune, immune suppressant drugs for the rest of your life so your body doesn't reject it. I think this is really interesting to me. That you have to, you, there's a price to be paid for it. And it's not necessarily, I didn't have to do anything for that heart. It wasn't my, you know, I wasn't talking to this guy or paying this guy for a heart. 
to be implanted into my body. But what I have to commit to is living differently from that day on. Because if all of a sudden I get a wild hair and say, I'm not going to take this immunosuppressive stuff anymore, guess what? Your body starts to reject that heart. In our lives, some of us maybe have asked for a, a heart transplant from God when we were younger, but we've chosen to reject and to stop seeking after him and do, using that heart to its fullest advantage. We get to continue with the, uh, our flesh, our sinful nature is always, Romans 7 talks about, it's always, always, always trying to sin. It's always trying to do the easy thing. It's always trying to be greedy. It's always trying to be lustful. It's always going to be tempted to lie and tempted to steal. You're like, oh, Jared, I am not tempted to steal. I don't know why you keep on saying that. Tax season's coming up. Want to run that past your head one more time? Tax season's coming up, right? You're going to fill out that form. Are you tempted to cheat and steal? Probably. He won't know. No one's going to know. Uncle Sam's not going to figure it out. You know, it's called integrity. Things got real there for a second, Jerry. We have to continue to take the immunosuppressant stuff. We still have to be in the word. We have to be in this relationship with God. We have to be praying, saying, Lord, how do I use this heart that you've given me? That's really what it's about. God, how do I use this heart? How do I use this second chance? How do I use this gift that you have so freely given me that I do not deserve? How do I use it? And staying in that spot. Instead of saying, God, it's about time you gave me that heart. We don't deserve this. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This is what a heart transplant is. You die and a new life is put in you. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, that's what a heart transplant is. How do I know if I'm living in my old heart or if I'm living and operating out of Christ's heart? John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I have come that they may have life and have it to its full. So the the litmus test, the question is, am I operating out of a place that kills and steals and destroys? Or am I operating out of a place where people have life around me and I have life around me? It's easy to know whose heart you're operating with. Is it the thief's heart or Jesus' heart? Because what? What did Proverbs say? Above all else, guard your heart because for everything you do flows out of it. Is your heart a thief's heart or is it God's heart? Is it a heart of destruction or a heart of life? Simple questions to ask yourself. Are conversations better when you leave them? And this is, a, this is a hard question to ask, but when I start talking to somebody, is it better when I leave? Do I leave that conversation better than I, than I found it? 
Now, I, this is hard for me because I like to go into a conversation and I can get people to laugh and, ha, 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 that's funny. Let's, let's talk about that. There you go. But if all I did in that conversation was cut people down and, 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 and hurt people, how am I leaving that conversation better than I, than I found it? Are we leaving conversations better than we found them? Because if we're not, if we're stealing their joy, we're killing their trust, we're doing those things, guess what? We're operating out of a heart of a thief, not the heart of Jesus. Are people better after you have been with them? I want to be a person that when I am with you, like, life is better. I want to be a church. I want to be a people who, like, oh, man, I can't wait to see so-and-so. Because when I see so-and-so, it is just better. When I get, there is a new little girl that's been coming around here who's got the greatest little smile. It's yours. <laughs> it's your daughter. She's new. She's coming. I saw her this morning. I said, hi. And she just ear-to-ear smiled. And, hi. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Right? I'm, I'm in love with this little girl. Just because of her smile, she makes everything better just by seeing it. And I, there's no reason that we can't do that to, for each other all the time. Are we better or worse? Are people better or worse when they've been with you? I used to tell, uh, when I was a student pastor, my boys, I said, listen, I don't know if you're going to... I married my high school sweetheart. It makes youth ministry really, really difficult when you marry your high school sweetheart. Because you can't say, you're not going to marry her. Well, you did. Shut up. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but she should have dumped me. Okay? Well, we all agree with that, Jared. Uh, <laughs> but what I told the guys is I said, listen, listen, listen. I don't know if you're going to wind up with this girl. But do this. Be the best boyfriend she'll ever have. If you can do that... That t- 10 years from now, she look, man, I really screwed that one up. That guy was good. You show her what a, what a godly man can be. You show her. I had a guy, he came, um, middle of the night, found me, and starts talking to me. He's been walking around the neighborhood all night long crying about this girl. That's what you do to us, ladies. <laughs> He's like, I don't understand why she won't trust me. I don't understand these things. And this girlfriend at the time was... She'd been through some really, really rough things where she shouldn't have any trust in guys. I said, bud, all you, gotta, all you can do is show her that you're the kind of guy, and there are guys out there that she can trust, that are healthy, that will love her for who she is, not just for what they can get out of her. And he, he was talking to me about that. That happened years ago. Six, seven years ago I had that conversation. He was talking to me a couple days ago about it. I was like, thank you, Holy Spirit, for those words in the middle of the night because all I wanted to say was leave me alone. How do we leave people after we're not around them anymore? Are they better? Are they better off? Are they healthier? Or are we just spreading disease? What are the benefits of a transplant? When we replace our hearts, when God replaces our hearts with his heart, what's the benefit? One is we get a healthy heart. We get to start operating out of something that is better. Our worldview can change. The way in which we operate and live and act emotionally, spiritually, even physically can be dramatically different. The benefit of having a heart transplant is this. You can have life. 
If you're on the heart transplant list, the reason is you can no longer live in the condition that you are. For so many of us spiritually, we can no longer live and we cannot have eternal life without having a heart transplant. We can no longer go on spiritually the way we are without a heart transplant. Without our sick, worldly, thief heart being removed and God's heart being put in. Take an inventory of your conversations from the last week. What was left in your wake? Was it pain or was it joy? Was it hurt or was it peace? How's your heart? Take an inventory of your thoughts. Do you focus in on people who have hurt you and maybe how you've hurt others or do you focus in on how you can bring life to others? Because that's the difference. The, the thief heart kills, steals, and destroys. The heart of God gives life, abundant life. So how can I get on the transplant list? It's silly how easy it is. When we think in, in medical terms, getting on the, the heart transplant list is a big ordeal. That's a big thing. For us spiritually, it's, it's easy. That's the most difficult, easy thing you can ever do. But what it is is submitting to God to say, God, I, my heart is no longer functioning the way it's supposed to. My heart is not giving me the life that it's supposed to. This isn't the life that I want. I don't want to be the joy sucker. I don't want to be a kill, still, and destroy kind of person. What I want to be is a person who gives life. When we struggle with our heart transplant, it's to think, God, will you come and take this old heart and replace it with yours? Because I want to have a different kind of life. A life so I can truly live. An abundant kind of life. If that's you today, won't you pray with me? Ben, come on forward. God, um, I know today I, I just want to kind of do a check of my own life. Lord, the people in this room that, that, are, that are prompted and thinking, yeah, I need that heart transplant. God, I, I ask you to move in their hearts right now that they would ask you, God, just simply and pray along with me. God, would you take my heart and replace it with yours? I give you my life, God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you want to pray that with me, would you just lift up your hands? God, would you just take our lives? I want to be a part of a new life. God, forgive me of my sins. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for a new opportunity, a new future, 
and a new hope. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.